As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You are listening to the bird calls on the Sports Drink Network. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search the bird calls, and subscribe today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a preseason edition of the Bird Calls. I am David Grubb, and I'm joined by David Fisher and editor-in-chief of thebirdrights.com, Mr. Ali Cosell. Gentlemen, we are three games into the preseason. The New Orleans Pelicans are three and oh, plenty to talk about. Um, but first, how are you doing? David Fisher, that's been a little while since we talked last. How are you, my friend? Man, you know what? Watching the Pelicans, it's been pretty fantastic. Like they, they bring joy to me watching basketball and basketball in general. So, I mean, couldn't be much better. Ollie, you know, you and I were at the uh, Pelicans open practice, which was not very entertaining. But since the preseason has started, the Pelicans have been far more entertaining. Uh, how are you enjoying the show thus far? It's been fun. I mean, let's be honest. There's so many guys that are likable on this roster, and we know there's legitimate talent. Now they're conceivably looking good. Um, look look at just over the last three games, right? Trey Murphy last night, um, Jose Alvarado the night before, or was it two nights before that, on Friday against the Pistons. And then in that first game, what we see? Dyson off the bench, uh, Devontae Graham, right? So you're not just seeing the stars, which, by the way, we haven't even seen Brandon Ingram play a game. C.J. McComb basically hasn't, right? He played in one game only like 15 minutes or so. So you haven't even seen two of the three stars in Zion. He's still getting his footing, right? Because this is not the Zion we remember, right? He's done some really good things, but you can just tell he's just still trying to find that comfortable level, just playing with teammates again, it looks like. So I don't know, guys. I mean, I see a legitimate playoff roster of eight players, and we've only seen three preseason games, but I've seen enough to where I feel comfortable with these eight players that I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, we'll get into the individual players in a moment. But, Ali, to your point about the start this uh, in the preseason, and, again, we take all these things with a grain of salt because it is the preseason. Yeah. The Pelicans have outscored their opponents 347. Yeah, real, real quick, I just want to say something. To your point, you guys both remember what happened a couple of years ago, right, during the bubble year. The Pelicans went undefeated, right, in the preseason. They went 5-0, and and then right before the bubble started, 3-0 and in those exhibition games. So 8-0, and it didn't mean squat. So, yeah. Go ahead. Right. Sorry. Yeah. So they've outscored opponents 347 to 323. These are the things that I like for the Pelicans um, that we've seen because individually, sometimes it's hard. And again, you're not playing against the best players in the second half. Typically, you start getting deeper into the bench uh, and things like that. But here's what you have got. The opponent's field goal percentage over the three games. Chicago, a team that you expect to have a decent offense, uh, shot about 48 percent from the floor. Last two opponents, Detroit and San Antonio, 36%. Uh, Three-point percentage for the opponents, Chicago a high of 33%. The last two opponents, you get Detroit at 28.6, San Antonio at 26.5. Turnovers, that's been an issue for the Pelicans, and we'll talk about that. Two games over 20 turnovers, only, uh, but they did have uh, were at 16 against Detroit. Rebounding, 
um, after being out-rebounded by Chicago, and that was basically down in that fourth quarter when Chicago started to rally a little bit. Um, but they've out-rebounded their opponents uh, by 13 over the last two games. And then the one area that I think is so important for the Pelicans and will continue to be really important and will get emphasized more as Zion Williamson, to uh, Ollie's point again, gets himself more acclimated, uh, winning points in the paint. They beat Chicago by 12 in the paint. They beat Detroit by 30 in the paint, which you absolutely should against a team that doesn't really have an interior presence. And then they beat San Antonio by 10 uh, points in the paint. Fish, um, just from the big picture, before we get into those individual players, what are you seeing defensively? Because I think, again, offensively, we all feel very confident about this team. But what have you seen defensively in the preseason that you've liked so far? Um, Number one, the guys that we expect to bring it are bringing it. Herb Jones, he had a ridiculous block at the at the three-point line. He's completely dialed in. Jose still making life difficult on everyone. Dyson in the game in a quarter that we've seen of him, um, completely and totally as advertised defensively. Um, and you you can just see how that kind of filters down. Um, the biggest the biggest thing that we have to think about, talk about is how does that all that defense around you know work around CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson? Um, and I think just the mentality of defense from all of the role players, um, I think bodes extremely well um, for this team long term. Because if you show up defensively, and some of those shooting numbers that you mentioned, like before, like the deep bench and stuff um, got out, I would check the um, stats. And I think all three of the games or two of the three games, the opponent was shooting under 40% before, you know, you got to Mm -hmm. deep garbage Mm -hmm. time. Um, So the Pelicans aren't allowing um, that you might say that they've allowed a little bit more three pointers than you'd like, um, but they're not allowing a lot of offensive rebounds. Um, and all of the guys that you expect to bring it, um, even here in preseason, which might be a time where some f- folks might think that it's time to rest on their laurels, um, that's not ha- happening. Um, and the, if that mentality, if they can take that mentality from preseason and just apply it into the regular season, I, I expect to see fantastic things. Yeah, Ali, uh, I think what we've seen is that the activity level remains high. Um, like Fish says, though, you know, you want to see we have not seen the starters play, obviously, um, extended minutes uh, defensively, um, a, either due to availability or just be familiarity. Um, but defense is going to be the thing that you know makes this team special if that's what they're going to be. If their destiny is to be a great or a very special team this year, it's going to be because of their defense. Um, there are encouraging signs um, with this team. But again, not the the first three opponents, not the greatest. I like the next two with Miami closing with Miami and Atlanta, two teams that will be contending with the, for the playoffs. I like those matchups to 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 get a little bit better gauge of where they are defensively. Absolutely, and you're right, Dave. We've been harping on this point. I know you've written on it about how really how far the Pelicans go this year, how high they finish in the Western Conference is totally going to be dependent on their defense. And if you just look, I mean, just say you look over the last three years, but especially last year, look at the four teams that made it to the conference finals, right? Celtics, they finished first uh, in defensive rating last year. Warriors, second. 
feet fourth, Maverick seventh. And when you keep going, you know, further down, you see that there's at least two teams usually in the top five or so um, in defensive rating that made it that far in the playoffs. So that's really going to be absolutely the key if the Pelicans have any kind of dreams or hopes of really overachieving this year. But for our purposes down the road, right, at some point they're going to have to get become a really good defensive team. Whether that happens this year or not, we'll see. But you're right, David. I like to see some stiffer competition because so far, you know, what I've liked is how they have shut down the rim. You think about how, I mean, outside of the transition, right, they've been beaten up in transition. Teams have taken advantage of us, but again, a lot of that's come kind of in garbage time. We haven't seen, right, the regular eight, nine, even maybe 10-man rotation that Willie's going to stick with. But overall, though, I have loved the length and the tenacity of everybody just keeping opponents away from the rim. And that's sometimes been problematic for this team, but especially last year, right? They didn't have a shot blocker. And it seemed like the Pelicans were one of the leading teams almost every night scoring points in the paint, but they seemed to give up just about the same number. And it was regardless of who they were playing. So that's one thing I wanted coming into this year, see change. And so far it's looked really good. I think that's probably the biggest reason why uh, defensively they've looked good overall, right? From an advanced stats uh, perspective defensively in these three preseason games. So you're right, David. Let's see how they do against Miami. Miami doesn't like to lose regardless of whether it's preseason or not. And, of course, the Hawks, that's going to be the last preseason tune-up. You know teams are probably going to play more regular rotation uh, minutes and stuff like that. So that should be a good test, too. Fish, how have you liked the way the, the Pelicans have handled uh, the rotation here in the preseason? Uh, it's been difficult for Willie, obviously, to not have BI available to get a look at some of these sets because that's the big thing is, is offensively mixing and matching um, who goes where. Obviously, Zion, we, we believe he'll fit in pretty easily, but there was an adjustment the last time that B.I. and Zion played together. There, they, It took some time for them to figure it out. And we know with B.I. historically, um, the start of seasons, uh, his numbers can be there, but they, they, they're they harder to come by. Very Drew Holiday-ish in that way. Um, do you worry about them not having enough on-court time uh, to start the season and does that just mean that they've got to rely on that defense even more? Well, I mean, you hit it right there on the head. Because um, if you show up on defense every night, then you can you can work through the growing pains. And even, I mean, even if B.I. was 100% um, throughout the whole preseason, um, there's going to be, I mean, I, I'm only expecting he's going to pl- maybe play like 60, 65 games. So he's going to be in and out of the lineup. And that's just kind of the nature of the NBA at this point. Um, so, I mean, I'd like to see them more on the court. I like what I saw, um, especially the first game when CJ was available, um, because it seemed like um, like Willie Green was attaching CJ and 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 Zion. Um, and if they're going to do that and attach those two guys, and then if it, it flows, that it's probably going to be that they're going to attach Bi and Jonas, and those two had fantastic chemistry especially Mm -hmm. middle and through the end of the year um in terms of um, what Jonas does for bi in terms of setting strong screens um you know helping helping bi get just that half step of of advantage that he's going to need um so i i liked what i saw there um outside of that like there's not a whole lot that we can really draw from the the rotations that we've seen so far because there have been so many little minor injuries and Nixon, I, I think 
I take that to be that the franchise is just being exceptionally cautious um, with guys, and they would probably they're probably in a situation where they they think that the the practice time is more valuable than some of these game times, especially um, against you know some of these teams are that are a little bit less less organized. Um, my hope is is that we're going to see essentially everybody available for these next two games. Um, and and not necessarily to log heavy, yeah, not necessary to log like heavy minutes, but yeah, like you know, get twenty twenty four minutes in, and of that, I mean, not all of it's going to be together. The beauty of the depth of this roster is the fact that if you feel like Zion and Bi are having difficulty meshing, and you're going to get thirty two minutes out of each of those guys, how you you know. Lego around the rotation, you're you're going to have a situation where each of them only play half of their minutes together, but you always have one of them on the floor. Um, and I think that's that's the biggest thing that'll help this team um, avoid lulls. Um, but there is, I mean, there's going to be some growing pains. I I will be surprised if the team comes out and just firing all all cylinders and starts drilling opponents the first couple weeks. Um, pleasantly surprised um but i'm expecting that there's going to be some growing planes but hopefully by by like the middle of november um willie green will have filled felt out what the rotation is going to be and things like that um but the biggest thing you when we're talking about how bi and zion and how are they going to mesh together that's one of the places where i think cj mccollum is so valuable because he understands when to you know, when to step up and when to step back and he can, he can get guys their shots. Um, we saw that initially when he came over from the trade um, and he can take shots and he can, he, for me from Zion is the court vision is still there. Um, he's still, you know, a willing and able passer. And as long as that's going to be the case, um, Herb Jones is going to have a whole lot of defenders that aren't looking at him and he's going to back cut. And I mean, we saw that um, early on in the third quarter when um, Trey Murphy um, back cut his guy. Um, I think we are going to see a lot of that. And Zion's going to be a very willing and able person to set that up. Yeah, there's been a lot to to be, um, you know, certainly encouraged by and and folks, the expectations have risen for this team. But let's talk about the injuries for a second, Ali. Um, we start okay. with Jackson. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I, really, I, I, because Fish is, just gave me a perfect lead into this question, mm -hmm. uh, talking about who should be basically leading the offense and at what times, right? He kind of just mentioned his thought process, especially on C.J. McCollum. But here's my question to you, David, because there's been a lot of talk about it over the last week. Like, for instance, the latest, the Clippers. Paul George says, I'm the number two. Kawhi Leonard's the number one. We know what happened in Miami with the Heatles, right? Right. Where Dwayne Wade figured, I got to step aside. LeBron, you're going to be the number one. David, my question to you is, do you think the Pelicans have to do anything similar? Right? Do they have to basically name a number one, a number two, a number three, or are they going to be – they don't have to go that route? I think it should be – it's easy to understand, I think, in conversations internally that B.I. is the guy that the offense goes through. Now, how do you make this work to me – and, and I'm no genius, but this is what I would imagine. This is the conversation that goes. Is that early in the clock, 
the the look is always to Zion early in the clock. If if those two are on the floor simultaneously, if if Zion gets the ball with a defensive rebound and he's bringing it up, then it's his look. You know, you trust him. Hey, initiate if you see it. If you don't, pull it back out. Or if he's running, you run to the front of the rim. If it's there, we get it to you. If we don't, we pull it back out. Once that starts going, you get your sets. You run your pick and roll with Zion and CJ, or you run your whatever with with action um, opposite side with Bi. And then when you go to the down to the end of the clock, you run two man game with whomever you think is the best matchup. But I think ultimately this is Bi's offense that getting him going is the harder thing to do on a night to night basis. Zion can get going with some offensive putbacks. Zion can get going in transition. So getting Bi comfortable is going to be your goal each and every night I think offensively um, is finding him those matchups even in the midst of if there's something easy for Zion you never turn away from an easy basket three feet from the rim I think you have to B.I.'s earned it he's Mm -hmm. earned the right for this to be his offense for this to be his team and I think he's also mature enough now that having earned that he's not going to make a poor decision with it. I think he respects that that right. I think he's respect that respects that privilege um, in earning it. And I think that um, he'll do the right thing with it. And like you said, having CJ is so important in that because CJ's had to be the number two when maybe he felt, I've got number one talent. You know, I may not be Dame Lillard as far as the, the you know, the, the, the personality, but I've got lead guard talent. I could be the number one on a team somewhere. So I think that that helps as the guy to communicate between the two of them if necessary, even though we clearly know that B.I. and Zion seem to have a, a very good relationship. I mean, just to jump, I mean, just to jump in on that, I mean, one of the, the great things is if you're trying to get B.I. looks, um, Zion's presence on the floor helps that um, mm-hmm. because he 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 draws an abnormal amount of defensive attention without the basketball. Especially when they play the Spurs. Oh my God! <laughs> and then the and then the other half of that is the fact that when Zion has the ball and the amount of attention that he gets, uh, I think we're going to see a situation where Brandon Ingram's going to get a lot of easy shots. A lot like his his shot profile is going to trend towards a lot more a, a greater percentage of easy shots of catching of catching you know catch and shoot kind of looks just warm up jumpers. Uh, that's going to happen a lot more for him when he's on the floor with Zion um, as as he continues to get comfortable with CJ um, as you know as we're seeing the development of Herb. And I mean, Jose, uh, one of the biggest things, and I hope we talk about him, is Jose comes in with the second unit, and he's getting good looks for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he is penetrating in the lane. He is making good decisions with the ball. He's getting, it's not just like, uh, there are plenty of guards that can get in, and then they're going to throw a pass that is difficult for a big man to catch. He throws a pass that, like, he's always setting up easily, Willie. Jonas, mm-hmm. Jackson, Larry. Um, he's setting up all those guys. And I mean, we already know that Jose and Brandon Ingram have like kindred spirit going on there. So um, I think one of the biggest things is 
BI clearly, like we've seen from all the photos and the photo shoot and everything they have hanging in, in the practice facility, like they're saying he's the guy, right? Larry Nance all throughout the playoffs saying he's him. Like, and when the locker room believes it, like it matters more when the locker room believes it than when, you know, the front office tries to push down that, no, actually this is the guy when the coaching staff, no, Brandon Ingram is the guy because, you know, the 14 other guys in that locker room have said he's the guy. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, um, um, I think, Rub, you've said it before, you know, you don't have to say what's understood. Like, and it's understood throughout the organization. And I think that is something that really is going to make things clean and easy for the organization going forward. Yeah, I I just don't. I agree with you guys. Sorry, I was just going to say, because I've even heard Zion basically allude to the fact that B.I. is that guy, too, right? He looks at him as the number one. So, yeah, I agree with you guys. I was just curious if you thought maybe it needed to be laid out, you know, publicly or, or, you know. No, I think they figured it out. Be said verbatim, but it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, I think they figured it out. B.I. one, Zion two, and C.J., he's going to pick and choose. When he's hot, he's going to look for a shot. Otherwise, he's going to be setting up everybody else, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think Zion falls really into easily into, I guess if you called it the Dwayne Wade hype role, because Dwayne was more of you know you didn't yeah you, you you could have stretches of a game where you don't make anything you don't have to write anything up for Dwayne. Remember, it was like you know Dwayne could get you just points in transition and get you uh, you know some some really easy buckets. That's what Zion makes it so easy for you too. Is that there are stretches where he'll carry you where he do, you have not run a single action for him Mm -hmm. and i think that that makes it it it, you know that gravity again yeah and we saw bi move better we saw bi occupy that that mid post a lot more and i think that makes it even more dangerous because if you come off of zion and bi's in the mid post already well now bi can finish right at the rim instead of having to take a jumper because if that attention drops anywhere off of him with that length he can finish and we saw him get stronger last year to finish through contact so I think that there's, you know, offensively, it's it's hard for me to worry. I know that the other night it was like when they missed a bunch of threes and everybody's like, well, you know, they're, they're missing all these threes. I thought they took too many, but I think that's a preseason thing too when you have guys who are not normal rotation players and you're not playing the normal flow of a game that you can tend to jack up a few too many threes. Um, I don't think that happens when Zion is getting 30-plus minutes. I don't think that happens when B.I. is getting 30-plus minutes. But and you're especially, seeing. I mean, it's 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 preseason, and you know that. I mean, it, it's preseason, but at the same time, Pop is running that like we're not going to let Zion layups beat us. God, and a lot of teams aren't. <laughs> and 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 there aren't a lot of teams that are. I mean, even as bad as the Spurs are, there aren't a lot of teams that are going to be as disciplined as the exactly. Spurs are about executing it. You know. Yeah, the Spurs so, were like yeah, a college football outside of the lane every single time. It was amazing. I felt its frustration through the screen. <laughs> I mean, the Spurs are like a college football team. You know, what they're going to do is they're going to, they know that they can, if they can hang around long enough, they might make you sweat. But ultimately, they don't have enough players. You know what I'm saying? They just don't have enough talent to compete with the Pelicans at this, at this stage, which is a funny thing to say. But like I said, when everybody talks about how bad the Spurs are going to be, they're going to steal wins just because they're going to play hard. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to catch them on nights when they give up. And so I think that that, that's, that's the good thing in playing the Spurs is that they did test the Pelicans 
for a while. They made them execute in the first half. And when the Pelicans were missing shots, they made them keep playing. And I, I thought that that's the good thing yeah, about the, playing the a team. Score like was this. tied in the third quarter. Yeah. So um, let's get into the individuals because I think, you know, uh, yeah. oh, oh, we, we're going to talk the injuries first. Let's talk the injuries. Yeah. Um, Jackson Hayes, the elbow injury, uh, supposed to be reevaluated in two weeks. But Ali, you know a little bit more um, and just break that down, what it really means for Jackson this year. Yeah, so I looked into it, and as Fish, I think, correctly said on Twitter almost immediately that it is. For baseball pitchers, it's a it's a bad one, right? It's the Tommy John, John surgery where you miss pretty much more than a year in trying to come back. And it usually takes you a full two years after you rip the ligament to where you're pitching, you know, kind of equal to where you were before. But with ba- basketball players, it's it's not remotely similar, right? You're, you're not winging a ball 100 miles an hour. He just needs to be able to move his elbow right, um, in all the directions that he needs to. So typically what I found out is that NBA players only miss at the, you know, on average, say a quarter of the season, but it's less if it's not that big of a tear, right? So we don't know just how bad of a tear Jackson sustained. I did notice the injury during the game because I remember turning to Andrew, Will, and Christian and saying, look, Jackson's hurt, but he was complaining to the referee at the same time while he was holding his arm. So it wasn't like, oh, my God, I ripped something for sure in my arm and I got to get out of the game right away. So maybe that's hopeful that, you know, he does miss to save these two to four weeks. He can get back on the court. We'll see. The thing for Jackson again is I hope this, this look, we, we know how talented Jackson is offensively. And we keep talking about this, but I think ho- hopefully this gives him an opportunity to watch a little bit again, because it seems that he does well when he gets an opportunity to watch and figure and out benching. like like that's good like he's getting the opportunity to watch but it's not like an obvious like you're getting benched it's right for an injury purpose. so he gets to so sit it... there and i think hopefully hopefully what you would want is the vets to get in his ear while this is happening and saying what are we missing man what do we need on the court and and see if that light comes on because if he finally gets that he should be the starting center for this team if it ever clicks in his head that if he just runs the floor and plays defense and boxes out, he can make a lot of money in this league for a long time. I hope that he sees how fair, hard yeah, those let's guys be fair are to him. We, David, let's be fair to him. We, I saw all this before the injury, right? I mean, I think we all were in agreement, right, in the DM chat room of ours. But I remember tweeting about it. I saw him on just a single play rotating the three different guys and then when the shot went up, he ran all the way across the lane to box out his original man. I never saw that in the previous three years, not once. So I'm impressed. I think he, he's he was better. Like, in his head. <laughs> it's, but it's I'm never about do we can he do it on an individual night. It's always about can and no, with any know, player in the NBA. It's can you do it consistently? And that's what the I thing will always be with Jackson, whether it's offense or years. defense. I don't. I, but and I'm not gonna. I'm not. You're not gonna convince me. Jackson's no, 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 I know. I'm not trying to do that, but I'm trying to say that there was an obvious difference I've noticed in preseason compared to the last three years. That's all. We don't know what it means, but I'm yeah, that's what I said. It doesn't matter to me till I see it for 20 games in a row. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like, like, I don't want to see another five to seven good game Jackson stretch. And this is not uh, this is not to slam him. Like I said, he should be, he should be the starting center for this team. Because yeah, curious, he would, Fish, what did you see? Did you see a hungrier Jackson, a more engaged, focused Jackson before he got injured? Can you really say? Like, I don't know. I don't know if we lost Fish, but 
I think it's we hard. Did. To, it's hard if you can re- ever really say, because Jackson is is good at looking engaged. You know what I mean? And active when things are going well and things were going well in the preseason. It's Remember always how he used to play defense, David. He used to play with his arms. Remember reaching, right? Trying to use his legs, but not moving his feet as much, stuff like that. Not making the proper rotations. I haven't seen it yet. You right? still want to see better rebounding. Past, but you I have focused wanna... on, I, I always pick a couple players to focus on. He was one of mine for the first couple of games. So like I said, I was impressed. So I just want to see. I'm, I'm, yeah. No, I mean, but the thing is, is that, I mean, from the games that he's played, um, I liked what I saw. Um, and it's it's not a big enough sample size to be like it's changed, um, but I mean everything that he could put on the floor, like all of the tape he could put on the floor this preseason um, so far, I, I was encouraged. Um, and it's 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 disappointing to see that he's he's you know having an injury when it was encouraging like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well said. Um, you know, Dyson Daniels being the other injury that we have to look out for, sprained his ankle. It looked bad, um, but it doesn't seem like the Pelicans are extremely worried. They have him listed as day-to-day for right now. Um, but I think, and uh, Ali, I think you would say the same thing. There's no problem in being cautious with Dyson at this point because even though I th- we all like what we've seen from him before um, at to this point, uh, and we think that he'll be part of the rotation. He doesn't have to be to start the season. So get him healthy. That's that's my thing with Dyson is the Pelicans can afford at this stage to be cautious with him. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. But I will say it's a little troubling to me that, you know, he's played how many games in the Pelicans uniform and he's now suffered two twisted ankles. I hope this, this not a sign of saying of maybe, you know, having bad ankles, weak ankles having to deal with chronic injuries. You know, I'm just, He's the light goes off in your head when you see stuff like this, but yeah, I, I think he'll be fine Yeah, because they, they weren't worried about him after this latest one. And I heard he was walking around and stuff. Wasn't in the food or anything like that. It's not Steph Curry ankles yet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know, but my legitimately... light, went off, light went off in my head. That's all. <laughs> um, Larry uh, Nance, Larry Nance, a little minor uh, tweak uh, in the game, but while he, he has played, Larry's looked good. Um, it's it's exciting to think about what a full season um, with Larry in the front court. We we forget about him a lot um, when we have conversations. When when um, Zion kicked out um, and he just drains the three, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I, I love how that's looking right there. And it wasn't even a corner three; it was you know an up, up above the break three. Um, I mean, I don't ever forget about Larry. So no, you um, know what I mean, like. <laughs> Because when we do, like we always, we, I think it, we, it's easy not to talk about him because we view him as as something that's pretty easy to predict. You don't feel like Larry's a wild card. You feel very yep. comfortable with him and his role. You feel very comfortable with him, his place on this roster, and and you trust him. So I think it's it's easy in that regard because you have so many other guys where you're trying to predict what they will and won't do. With Larry, you're like. He'll shoot somewhere around 34, 36% from three. He'll give you good boards. He'll give you good interior defense. He'll give you some steals. He's gonna, we know what we're gonna get from Larry. You're gonna get effort every night if it's 15 minutes or if it's 25 minutes. Whatever you get out of him, it's you know pretty much what you're gonna get. Yeah, I got nothing else to add other than I'm shocked we haven't seen a block yet. Right? He said his athleticism, his hops are back, and I don't think he's got a single block shot yet. 
It well, doesn't mean speaking, anything. Nobody's freaking out over that comment. But <laughs> speaking of blocks, though, um, one guy that has been very encouraging for me is Trey Murphy, and I'm, we could just flow right to Trey Murphy. Jesus. Let me just pick the last couple guys <laughs> with injuries because with, with Bi the toe injury still day to day. CJ is still day to day with the ankle, and of course Kyra, who's yet to be cleared yet. So, um, but I think it, again the Pelicans have no reason to rush with Kyra, considering if they it's clear they expect CJ to be available for Game One, and you have Jose and you have Devonte, they don't have to rush Kyra either. So I think that's that's probably key with him is there's no sense in putting him out on the floor until they're 100% certain he's good to go. Yeah, I'll agree that B.I. at least went through parts of practice in the last practice. C.J. didn't, but I'm just hearing it's Larry just soreness and, hey, he's on the other side of 30. You don't need yeah. to push him. And no, for man, Tyra, he moved on to three on three. call play. him that vet rest. They can call it yeah, vet exactly. rest for C.J. I'm cool with that. Yep. So let's let's, yeah, and let's Kyra, talk. He's advanced to three on three, but yeah, everything. Not, there's nothing to be afraid of, other than Jackson's injury, right? That's the only long-term-ish type of thing they're facing. So um, let's talk about Trey. Trey's been the best player um, overall for the Pelicans in the preseason. In his two games, he leads the team 17 and a half points. He's shooting almost 60 percent from the field, and from three, he's shooting 64 percent. Uh, just went off insane against uh the spurs uh from deep and we've heard the reports i mean you hear stuff like where you know guys have you know bi joking that he has to be rough on trey sometimes and not let his ego get out of control his dad has always said you know trey's confident once he starts feeling that confidence people are going to have to watch out you know it's it's the watching the evolution of trey murphy in his growth physically his ability to put the ball on the floor, his ability to rebound, his ability to score, not only from deep where that stroke is just looking fantastic, but also from the mid range and around the rim, man, I, that the upside there and watching Trey kind of blossom and and seize control of wanting to be that, if not the first guy off the bench, the second, it's exciting. And I know you, you got plenty to talk about uh, fish with that. (laughs) I mean, there, there was, uh, it was the Detroit game, and um, they got the ball out of Zion's hands, and Melvin Bagley decides, well, he's going to make sure that Zion isn't going to get the ball back, um, and he's denying him like all the way up at the hash mark, um, and Trey just puts the ball on the floor, goes all the way to the rim, lays it in, and that's, I mean, even last year, Grub, you you kept on saying, you know, he's not just a shooter, um, he's six foot ten now, and he's not just a shooter. He had a three-pointer in the Spurs game. I swear the ball didn't even get below his shoulders, man. Like, like we've seen it in practice, in the practice clips, where he's not even bringing the ball down. Like, he's hardly dipping at all other than, you know, getting his legs under him. But he's not bringing the ball, like, down to the hip and things like that. It's just going up. Um, and for him to be mm-hmm. able to do that at his height, um, you know, how pure his stroke is, how high the release is, um, is just like so so that's the offensive side of things um but what i'm seeing from him defensively um and his length um he's affecting other players shots um when when folks want to talk about you know they want to talk about zion at the five um it's some fantasy that guys have had essentially um, since before he came into the league, somebody's going to put Zion at the five and he's going to be surrounded by a whole bunch of shooters so he can just drive the lane. 
And we've seen that Zion doesn't need shooters or anything. He needs a half a step at the elbow and he can get by somebody and he's laying it in. He's done that multiple times, even this preseason, um, that even though, you know, he's wanting to get to his left hand, he gets to his left hand anyways. And he's by somebody because he's just too quick in small space. Um, but the key to the Zion at the five stuff is you need to have somebody at the four who can defend, who can protect the rim a little bit, who can stretch the floor. And that, you know, that skeleton key is Trey Murphy. And to That's... somebody who can, who can um, finish on the offensive glass when Zion shot goes, you know, when he does miss and it comes off that weak side. Yeah. Um, and, and then the, and the, the big thing with the Zion at the five idea um, is, well, we're going to surround him with shooters. But the weaknesses are, can you defend and can you finish possessions? Can you get the rebound? And what I'm seeing when Trey Murphy grabs eight rebounds in like 26 or 27 minutes, however many plays against the Spurs, um, what, what we've seen, and we haven't really talked a whole lot on Dyson outside of, you know, his injury, um, but what I've seen from Dyson in the minutes that he has played in terms of his commitment to crashing the glass. Um, and we already know that Herb might not rack up big rebounding numbers, but he's doing his job in terms of he's boxing out. Um, like the, the, the really exciting, like the Pelicans are playing a whole bunch of guys that are six foot eight lineup, you know, is Dyson, Herb, B.I., Trey, Zion. Like you want to talk about when things get really gnarly, that's the lineup you're talking about. And the thing is, is that you're surrounding B.I. and B.I. and Zion with three potentially plus defenders and in Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels, two absolutely superb defenders. But Trey Murphy is the thing that's going to unlock that potentially with his ability to defend the rim, with his willingness to crash the glass and play bigger than his um, his weight on the scale might indicate. Um, and then his ability to get the ball off and get the ball off so quickly without even bringing it down. And I can like, I was thrilled when the Pelicans drafted Trey Murphy. I talked him up all the way through the season. I wanted him playing in October. Um, I'm really excited about the fact that I feel like he's going to be, um, you know, a solid portion of the rotation um, right from opening night. Um, but the ceiling is so high on that guy. Like, it's so high. And we didn't even know that he was going to grow when he was going to be like two inches taller than he was when he was drafted. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I love that dude. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you look do. at the rebounding, Ollie, and like you said, you know, you, with that group, you have Trey, who who could be a a on nights certain nights a double digit rebounder. Herb last year had twenty eight games where he had at least five boards. Um, you look at the rest of that group, and you know, Bi can get you six, seven boards a night in, uh, pretty easily. Um, and if Zion could up his rebounding production. That's the big question in that starting lineup because you're not asking CJ to get boards, but he still gets around three or four a night in mm -hmm. your, from that position, and you're happy with that. The one thing I think is going to be because to me, the key, the reason I harp on Zion and, and boards, and other people may not, but I do because I I look at it as him. He has the ability to turn offense, I mean defense into offense, faster than anybody else on that team. There isn't a great outlet passer on on this team you know there's not going to be 
the the Lonzo type full court passes anymore. That that's those are gone. So Zion grabbing defensive boards, closing possessions, and then getting that ball in transition when in a scramble mode, I think is to the Pelicans' benefit. He doesn't have to win the NBA rebounding title, but he needs to be a bit better of a defensive rebounder. Yeah, and we noticed in that last game a determination to rebound, right? Grab what was it, nine boards, I think. But you saw him mm-hmm. aggressively going at it. As to where the previous game, right, against the Pistons, I think he finished with just one. So I'm with you, David. As to where, like, say, Trey Murphy, who, as Fish has pointed out, had eight against the Spurs. I think he had one against the Pistons, too. Trey's allowed to have those nights because there's other guys that should be more consistent on the glass because Trey's more out on the wing. Um, and I know that's probably not what he's asked to do, right? And I think you're absolutely spot on. Zion instantly can get that ball across half court if he's the one grabbing the rebound. I'm pretty sure Willie Green wants to see it because he always talks about it. he wants to see this team play fast. So there's no doubt that's got to be one of the priorities is seeing Zion grabbing the rebound. Yeah, I mean, Zion coming down the middle, having CJ floating out to one wing, having, you know, B.I. floating yeah. out to the other, and you're ready for either a fast break with Zion coming straight down the middle and that making people have business decisions you're able to, to to run a secondary break where you've got two elite level scorers who can take people off the bounce because now the defense is moving. So I mean, it's just it's it's just that that's the great thing about these Pelicans though is that we don't have to get ahead of ourselves because I think these things will develop. I think you know obviously you would bet that if we see these things, Willie Green sees these things, his staff sees these things, and they're going to be aggressive in trying to get the most out of Zion. And I think that means more double doubles. I mean, quite frankly, again, I don't think he has to to average 15 boards a night, but there should be more double doubles out of Zion Williamson, um, you know, than than we've seen over the course of his career. Yeah, you Fish, know one thing um, that's interesting. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just mm-hmm. going to say I haven't noticed him attacking the offensive glass yet, right? I think maybe he had a putback and for his very first score uh, since yeah. his injury, <laughs> that, right? That, that 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 I can't him. remember another offensive putback by him, and that's kind of rare. So. I'm curious, will he just focus more defensive rebounding and kind of not attack the rim uh, like he did um, under Stan Van Gundy? We'll see. And that might be something that's lined I mean, it felt like it too. I mean, yeah, that that's might be a situation yeah, where if you're on the floor with Jonas, we don't want you crashing as much because we need to get back. Um, but when yeah, you're but on the floor with Trey and, and the tra- they were playing volleyball. <laughs> yeah, but I mean – I mean, I, th- I think that the Pelicans were better defensively under Willie than under yes. Stan Van Gundy, mm-hmm. and they weren't. I mean, the crashing the offensive glass was Jonas or Billy if he was out there. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think I think Zion's so good. Yeah, Zion's just so that's good all on the thing. offensive glass, and you're making those chance points. I mean, and he had the one that they called a goaltend that. I mean, he got the ball when it was over the rim. It was still going up, but it was over the rim, so it is goaltending. Um, but he was just trotting behind Patrick Williams, who was trying to hustle down the floor. And then Zion decided, you know, oh, yeah, I'm like a top zero 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 one percent athlete. And in two steps, he's there, and he's, you know, 11 and a half feet off the floor or whatever to block that. I, um, and th- I still want to see him get mad. Well, he did get mad. mad. He he snarled about that really bad um, charge call. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the lack of a foul call right before the half. He was a little bit perturbed. 
but I want to see him exhibited a little bit more. I know the preseason ain't the time. He, he's been he's been getting back to the refs a little bit about that, but at the same time, you don't want to get to a Jokic, um, Doncic no, kind no, of area where you're not getting. Yeah, and you don't want him to yeah, not get back. Be, I want him to. I want him to put take it out on the opposing player. Like yes. that's see? what I want to see. Some of Zion is put some put some, every once in a while put your chest into somebody else's chest. But it's the preseason isn't time. Don't waste it. You know, we saw the one finish that he had around the rim in the first game against Chicago around the rim with uh, contact, and that was great. We know he still has the body mm-hmm. control. But, yeah, once the up. season starts, I <laughs> want to see a when, little bit of the uh... – when, when Zion loaded up, I was watching at my house, and I stood up. Like, something is about to happen. And I'm surprised guys, that, that guy didn't take a business decision there because he went through him, and he still finished through the contact. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest story overall, though, for the preseason has been the sophomores and the freshmen. Um, and the like vibes. you said, Jose, Alvar- Hal- Jose Alvarado, Jose Alvarado has looks like he's improved his game. He's, he's still struggling from three, only two for ten from three in the preseason. But again, that's not what you've got him on the floor for. Um, you, you want him to he's still being aggressive with his shot uh, and still attacking the basket, like like you said, Fish, getting people in the right position. The other sophomore, Herb Jones, like you said, defensively, we've seen him no fall off there. And offensively, I think we've seen her be more aggressive at times. We've seen him cut to the basket like you talked about. And then Dyson Daniels, who we have not talked about yet. But Dyson Daniels, again, coming in NBA level defensively, his passing is there. His rebounding has been there. His defense, not only just as far as on ball, but blocking shots, getting steals, getting deflections. Uh, this team defensively, and even Najee Marshall with his energy defensively, though Najee has not shot the ball particularly great. Um, everybody has played in that young guy group, the th- third year and under group. They all look like they got better um, mm-hmm. to some degree in the offseason. And the thing yeah, is, is that they point. all have to get better because everybody's pushing for minutes. Like everyone is pushing for minutes on this roster, except for Garrett Temple, apparently. Um, so, I mean, competition, like iron sharpens iron. And I think that that's what's happening, um, in, in the practice facility every day. Um, and something about, you know, I mean, I know it's just words on a wall, but I mean, the Pelicans wrote out like, this is, we're going to share the ball. We're going to defend and we're going to compete. Um, and I mean, if you ask me and if you ask me, what do you want the Pelicans focus to be? Yeah, those three things, perfect. Let, let, let's go. And what we're seeing from from all of the uh, young guys, um, including, like you said, Dyson, um, is that, number one, they're going to defend and they're going to compete. And I think that organizationally, it is known that that is how you get minutes or whatever kind of blackmail stuff that Garrett Temple has on his laptop. <laughs> Man, to, to your point, Grub, you're you're absolutely right to point that out, the improvement, right, with these young guys as a story, because the biggest and quickest way for this team to really take a jump in the standings is, is, is by improving by, you know, the vast majority of the roster. And that's rare you see young guys, especially just going from year one to year two. But it's seemingly, I think we've seen it, right? Herb, he looks more fluid offensively. We really haven't seen it show up right in the shot or maybe the playmaking, but there's been enough glimpses to where I, I feel comfortable that he looks better. Trey, we just talked about him. Jose, 
I'm surprised you guys didn't mention it. I mean, him going to Tony Parker over the offseason, I think is fantastic. And it's already shown up. We saw that game, right, the 28-point game. But overall from twos, I looked at it the other day, 15 of 22. And he's getting his shot off with incredible ease, right? So he knows exactly where to put himself to get off an easy shot. So I think he looks way better. His feet touch the paint. Remember that how, how much Alvin used to talk about that? Oh yeah, um, yeah. Like, you know, how important it is you, when you count either your team or the opponent, whoever is getting their feet in the paint the most is usually the team that wins. And Jose gets mm-hmm. his feet in the paint consistently. Oh. Yeah. And, and I love him and I'm glad fish brought it up early. Every time he's got the ball or he's leading the offense, something good happens. I feel like, right. They at least get a good shot may not go in every time. So I think he's the team's best floor general. Now, CJ, he's, of course, the best shooter, and he's been in all those game situations, right? He's got the experience, but, man, Jose is a heck of a floor general that's really underrated. And he understands the the importance of that crisp movement. He's not – even when he has the ball and he's orchestrating, he gets rid of it quickly to keep the offense Oh, he doesn't endlessly pound it, yeah. There's, There's a reason for every dribble, right, every movement he makes. He doesn't waste time or dribbles, no. So I just I just find him to be a very fascinating player, and I think that the the Pelicans are going to be one of these teams that it's almost where you 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 look forward to. Like I said, I think once you get past the first five minutes with the starters, the Pelicans become so much fun and they become so interesting mm-hmm. because there are this myriad of combinations that you can put of players and positions that you don't. I mean, like you literally have a bunch of different. St- teams that you have to prepare for almost with the Pelicans and you have this group of guys in that second and the you know the young group that you could almost put the four or five of them together you know what I mean and let them play as a unit and you feel pretty comfortable for a short stretch if it was just like Dyson Jose Trey Herb and Najee and they had you know had to play for a minute you'd be okay with that for a couple minutes you'd feel fine with that and that's really or pick, odd. Or David, have, David, or pick four guys and have Larry Nance out there with him. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm saying like with that group in particular, if there were a circumstance where all five of them so, found themselves on the floor for a couple minutes, you'd be okay with it. And yeah. that's just odd that you have a bunch of first and second and, and one third year guy who's an undrafted free agent. Two of them of the five that we're talking about are undrafted free agent. And one of them is a second rounder. And you're talking about them as like you could put those guys together in a starting, I mean, not a starting lineup, but as a group and be fine on an NBA team. That's crazy. I agree. <laughs> We've never seen a team like this. I've been not watching the Pelicans, since not, the New Orleans. No. Like, I think it's similar to remember when Sacramento was at their peak, you know, in the early 2000s, oh, yeah. and they would bring mm-hmm. in their second unit, and you'd have Bobby Jackson, you know, but they weren't young like this. They weren't young. But it was where you felt like, oh, man, their second unit has a lot of different guys who can do a lot of different things. But I think this group is more talented than that because Lawrence Funderburk wasn't that great. But I would put – I think Trey Jones, Trey Murphy can be a, a really, really, really good player. I think Herb Jones has all-star potential. I think Trey has all-star potential. Jose could be a six-man or you know type candidate for a team. Who knows? But, I mean, it's just – what we've seen in the preseason, I don't think that there's any reason – to tamper down expectations. And I think it's gotten harder to keep people from ramping them up. Fish? My my expectations as we have watched games have only increased. 
Um, I'm trying to um, remain calm. It is difficult at this time because the question marks are everything are how are the big four that the Pelicans have, how are they going to mesh? And right away, when I saw how Willie Green was attaching CJ to Zion, and you're thinking about all of those sets that the Pelicans inverted pick and rolls and stuff that they used to run with JJ and Zion, now you put CJ in those spots, and he's either going to be, you know, shooting warm up jumpers, or he's going to be ta- attacking a defense that's unsettled. Um, and then the other thing, like, like we've just been discussing over the last five, 10 minutes, is my goodness, all of the young guys, they all understood the assignment all off season long. And they are all, everybody's putting in the work and they look fantastic. Um, and they're, everyone's pushing each other. And I think it's, I mean, it is the most promising time to be a Pelicans fan since um, just before they decided that they were going to try to um, trade Tyson Chandler and everything blew up. So. Yeah, here's the comparison I would make right now, the way they look to me, because we don't know where they're going to end up defensively, how much they do come together. They remind me of George Carl's Denver Nuggets, right? Under Carmelo Anthony, there were so many guys that could blow up on a certain night, right? The young guys, right? Linus Kleiser, um, Nene Hilario. There, there was so many guys that could be thrown out at you, but they played fun. That's what I remember about Carl's Nuggets, seeing a lot of them. They were fun, high energy, determined, and especially at home. And I feel like that's what this Pelicans team, that's the vibe you get, right? So they're going to go 8, 9, 10 deep. You feel like every person that comes in the game, they're going to give it you their all. And there's going to be so many momentum plays that are going to be made because these players, they're so athletic. They're so talented. It, it, it's bound to happen. So I'm going to be curious to see, can they make themselves become, you know, a legitimate unit out there so they become more than what Denver's, you know, Nuggets, how many times they didn't meet expectations. It'll be interesting. But that's right now who I would uh, equate them to. And that's what I wanted to ask you, Grub, because you've got such a much better memory than me. Do you do you kind of remember those Nuggets teams? Am, am I kind yeah. of on base or yeah, off base I, with that? I, I, you know, I was thinking while you were talking about that, I was thinking about, well, you know, and I don't want to put this, this type of pressure on the Pelicans, but it, it also kind of feels like to me, those team, the Warriors team, right before the year that they played the Pelicans and they won the championship. You remember? So the year before is the year that Sterling gets gets kicked out, and the Clippers were the better team. You know, they, that's who they the, the Warriors that were playing in that when when Sterling got shit canned. Um, but the Warriors were with Mark Jackson at the time, and there was something amiss. Now, at the time, Mark Jackson was the thing with the miss. And I don't think that that's what the Pelicans' issue is. But you were, they were, at that point, they were at the, the stage where they were trying to refine what that group was. And I think that's what this, the Pelicans are. They, are. they are polishing that diamond down to get exactly who that group is. Because you can't have 15. You can't. But it's going to get closer to that 10 that real group of 10 that we talked about where you have the three guys at the top, CGA, BI, and, um, and Zion. And then right behind them, fortunately, you've got this next wave that will be entering its early prime when your superstars are entering the later parts or the, or the deep parts of their, of their primes. So, I mean, I like it in, in, in having that second wave of depth because the Warriors were a little bit younger 
than the than the Nuggets were at certain spots because Kenyon Martin had been through stuff already. You know, Allen Iverson had been through some some wars already. Um, Andre Iguodala had been through wars already. This Pelicans team is is kind of growing up together more so than having some of those guys from outside come in and add the maturity. That'd just be my fuck. Yeah. But uh, either way, uh, you know, this is going to be an exciting year. And I, I, I have not looked forward to possibly being wrong about a preseason prediction of 45 games. If I'm wrong, then I'll be glad to be wrong. If there's, as soon as the five win, five game win streak, I told you I'll buy some merch. I'm doing it. Um, but <laughs> those are things I want to happen. Those are things I want to happen. I want to see um, great basketball. And I think we, we, like Fish said, you, you know, there's, there's, the optimism is as high as it's ever been with good reason. Um, it's just, let's, let's let it play out because obviously I think for all of us, you want the last 20 games to be better than the first 20 with this team. And, and that's the ultimate goal. Eventually yeah, this I, is going to be like my history project. I'm going to try to look back and be like, what team can you like possibly draw the closest parallel to, to this Pelicans organization right now? Uh, you won't be able to tell it to the end of this year. That's true. Um, but just in terms of what I think is going to happen, because you're on that 40, 45, I'm more on that like 48 to 52 range. Um, man. And, and man, my expectations are only climbing. I'm trying to keep them in check. I really you, I'm just, you know me, I go, I, I look, I look so deep into that history and it's just hard you know, you, mm-hmm. you look for those certain things that, you know, who somebody on this team is would have to jump up and be an MVP candidate. And you're like, but you look around the league. Like, that's the hard thing is that the West makes everything a little bit more sobering every time I think about the West. Like, that's that's so the deep. hard part when I start adding up the wins. And I'm thinking about, you know, Denver's got a two-time MVP and they, they're bringing more people in. Minnesota's better. The Clippers are better. The, you know, these teams are better than they were a year ago. And it's just, it's hard to 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 add all the wins in. It's just, there's so many that could go either way, which is the Pelicans, where before going either way was hard to find. So, I mean, I get it. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to piss on anybody who says 52. I'm not going to piss on that. Uh, I mean, 52 is at the high range. Like 52 is you know, you're going to get 70 games plus from Zion and BI. 48, like that 45 to 48 range um, is more like reasonable, but not bad health. You know, if you're going to get 60-ish games from all three of those guys. CJ, I think BI more so Zion. than the number of games, Ali, and you tell me if I'm wrong, what you'd want to see is, A, this team should, you want them to be in the top six. You don't want them seven, eight, nine, ten in the in the mm-hmm. plan, and I think that's the the main thing is to come out of the season as a legitimate top six team, and where you felt like they were in the hunt for four, potentially five. Like they just like I, I think that's the placement for this team because wins could be really weird, to, hard to come by across the West. It could be a year where the best team in the West does not win sixty games because the West is so deep this year. So I don't know about the win total. To me, it's more about, I'm more concerned about the placement in the conference. Yeah, I am too. And look, we have no control over that. Nobody does, especially injuries that crop up. But 
what you just reminded me of is the Pelicans could be really good, but they could be in a sea of like, say, six, seven teams right there with the same record. Right. I'm thinking particularly, remember the 17-18 season, right, where the Pelicans swept the Trailblazers? Well, I'm looking at it right now because I was curious to test my memory. Yeah, the Trailblazers had the third seed, but they were 16 games behind the Rockets. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Nuggets, who finished in ninth, were 19. Everybody else fell in between, right? The Thunder, right. Jazz, Pelicans, Spurs, Timberwolves. So we could be headed for a season like that. You don't know. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. Like that's or the, what I'm or really the year, thinking. like, didn't the Suns, um, like, I don't know, 14, 15 or 13, 14, they, lo- they missed the playoffs and they won 48 games. Yep, I remember that. Yeah. Yep. But the Nuggets that year like, were what? The Nuggets were at, what, 44 wins that year, Ali? In 2018? They were right they, there. Because they went they down were, to the last right. day of the season. They, to... Yeah, they they went forty six and thirty six and missed the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and like the Clippers, that year was who crazy. In tenth, they went. Clippers went forty two and forty. In that was the Clippers team that was so good. Yes, that Beverly, with, with no stars. Montrez. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I think that's the kind of year it could be in the West. So that wins are really weird because I don't think you're going to get a Rockets type team that wins sixty seven. I don't think that happens this year because, no. um, you know, I, I think those days of teams in the NBA pushing for 70 wins are over because the teams that can do it are going to rest their stars. Yeah. And by the way, Fish, it was 2013-14. Suns went 48 yeah. and 34-9. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and still missed the playoffs. Yeah. Crazy. So, I mean, yeah. So I think the placement for the Pelicans is the most important thing. It's like, it's, I think, psychologically for the franchise, for the fan base, it's comfortably get in because the yeah. last two times this team has gotten to the playoffs, it took either an incredible win streak down the stretch mm-hmm. in 2017, 18, or it took this crazy backing in and then winning this tournament that, you know, again, you stole it, but those are the rules. They let you steal. Well, remember 14, 15, they backed in too. Remember yeah. That? Because that was because yeah. KD was hurt for a third yeah. of the season, and that and was they had the, to win what the last two two games of the season beating yeah, the Spurs, beat the Spurs to get in. And, oh yeah, and so, part I mean, of the reason that they had the tiebreaker was the um, Anthony Davis heave, the shot. Yep. Yeah. So you, you want you want com- you want a comfortable playoff entry? Is that that's a step to being a winner? Is to to at least be comfortable? Like people know this is a playoff team. Not we think this yeah, is and a Grub, playoff. You know team. what I think about for them to ensure that. They've got to be great at home. Not good, great at home. You always talk about home records, man. They've got to win at least 29 home games. Yeah, I'm in that 27-28 range. Get at least to there. Yeah, because that, well, that's where I was getting, you know, to, for me, like 27 home games. This team, to get to 28, it's been a while. But I think they won 28 mm-hmm. the year in 2018. So, I mean, like, yeah, you've got to get to that spot. Again, championship teams are winning 80-something percent of their home games. Hey Grub, in that season they were actually twenty four and seventeen at home, exact same oh, so, yeah, away record was, too in twenty seven yeah, eighteen. So yeah, I mean this is this is a team that's got to be better at home. Than that, though, this year. They got to be better than that this year. They have to, and they can't blow those games against the Eastern Conference. That's been the Pelicans. Well, the Pelicans. Conference is tough. Just win the games at home. Just win but you know what I mean. The bottom feeder games in the East that the oh, Pelicans yeah, yeah, would yeah. go out and lose to the Magic. Once a year, oh, yeah, the Wizards the, without a Beal or some crap, yeah, right. Yeah. Those avoid those games. Those, those <laughs> like take care of business every single time you log in, man. Every yeah. single yep. time, every single time you go to work, take take care of your business. 
And I think that they've got a mental makeup of players who will not take other teams. For exactly. Because remember who was leading those teams that were taking those nights off? Anthony Davis. And we would notice it and we would talk about it. Andrew and Holiday, who we also knew at times. Yeah, they were not called out on social media for being haters, right? Remember all that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, I think we've hit it all for this one. Two more games this week, like we said, Wednesday with at Miami and then Friday in Birmingham, the home of the Pelicans G League squad, the squadron, um, uh, for the last preseason game against the Hawks. So we will be back this weekend to wrap up the preseason and then get you ready for the start of the regular season. Um, guys, any final words? Biggest thing is stay Not healthy, man. Stay yeah. healthy. That's the, that's the biggest thing, man. Absolutely. Stay healthy. Um, and like I said, compete, um, share the ball, and play defense. Do those things. That's it. It's a simple formula. Yep. For David Fisher, for Ali Costell, I am David Grubb. And this has been The Bird Calls and in the words of our friend, Preston Ellis. Let's go, Bill. Thank you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today.